Hello, and welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast for Edgewood Church in Danville, Illinois. This week at Edgewood. Heavenly Father, God, I do just thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for uh, all that you've done for us. I thank you, God, for uh, the people that are here today. Lord, I believe that you've brought them here for a reason and for a purpose. Lord, I pray that you would just guide and direct my words this morning as well as we look at your word. And in your name I pray, amen. Um, I want to hand out, if you would like... Um, today is going to be another one of those uh, potential question Sundays. So um, if you would like uh, to have some paper, do you want to do that for me? I, John doesn't think I can walk and talk at the same time. He's probably right. If you need a pen, there's a pen. Now he's handing out three by five cards, but if you prefer a giant piece of green paper, you can have a big piece of green paper, especially if we run out of three by five cards. I'll put those right there in case we run out. Um, we're in 1 Corinthians, and last Wednesday, I was about ready to skip this next portion, and I want to tell you why. Um, this next little portion, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I was going to skip it and just cover it on Wednesday. Not skip it entirely, don't get me wrong, I wouldn't do that, but I was going to skip it and cover it just on Wednesday night because I didn't want it to be confusing. Um, there's a little bit of me that this morning I thought maybe that was probably the better idea than, what I, than trying to tackle it, but um, here I am. One of the things that convinced me to go ahead and try to tackle this this morning is in one of my commentaries, um, which every one of my commentaries mentioned about this passage, they either said uh, it's challenging, or they said um, it's confusing, or they said, it's like this one, it's controversial. Um, I mean, every single one of them. Oh, watch that pin, everybody. We'll never see that pin again. Um, on a side note, she has like 20 of those at home, I'm pretty sure. We're preaching on pin thieves this morning. Um, so... The passage we're going to read, and you'll see, I mean, I'm going to read it here in just a minute, and you're going to go, hmm. In fact, I'm going to guarantee that a few of you uh, might cringe a little bit. Even if you're all on board with what it's saying, you'll recognize the cringe factor that might come across. Okay? Some of you know about this passage already. You've heard it before. Some of you have been in church for a long time, and so you, you've heard this passage. Um, it's, it's not going to be one that is unfamiliar to you. Uh, I think a couple of the reasons, like I said before I read this, I was going to skip one. Um, this passage is often misunderstood, misquoted, misused, mistreated, and misaligned. Okay? So the, this, this passage, people like to pull out just little bits that they like and skip the rest. People like to do this little nitpicking, handpicking uh, thing, focus in on things and go with it. Um, I don't want to be that way. But it's, it's a challenging, challenging passage. Um, another, one of the reasons why it's challenging is because it overlaps, okay? So some passages of Scripture, um, the theology that's being taught and the, the biblical culture um, just overlap a little bit. And it's easy for us to separate them. 
So, for example, meat offered to idols, we were talking about. Piece of cake. I mean, if I get up here and say, don't eat meat offered to idols, you're like, okay. <laughs> I mean, that's not even a, that's not even a challenge. Preach on that every week. Matt, this is easy, easy uh, Christianity here. Let's go for it. Uh, I mean, it's, it's easy for us to pull this apart, and obviously, which parts are which. You're going to see that today's, the culture, Paul's culture, and the theology he talks about are going to be like this. And to figure out which parts are theology and which parts are specific to his culture, it's going to be, I, in fact, in my mind, I was picturing a surgeon trying to remove a, a, a tumor that's gotten intertwined with everything that's good. I mean, you, you, know how, you know how they have to be? They have to be super careful. You ever watch one of those? I mean, they're just taking this. Oh, i got to be real careful. I don't want to hit a nerve, sever something there. That's what, it's, that's what I felt like when I was looking at this passage today. And I think that's where the problem lies, because some people look at this passage, they don't look at it like this, as something they have to be careful with. They, they go to it flippantly. Do we want to be that way with Scripture? No. Okay? So, so I'm going to try to, right, peel apart, discern what's what. Okay? Like I said, I was thinking about doing it on uh, um, Wednesday night. I was reading this commentary. By the way, I, I thought about bringing out my commentaries and sitting them up here because I literally read through each one of them. I think at least, like, I mean, and it's, this particular part is several pages. Uh, each one twice. Two of them I read through three times because I was going, wait, I got to the end and I had to go back to the beginning. And then the next day I did it again, and I'm going, oh my goodness, what am I doing here? I had a couple of those, I don't want to be a pastor anymore days. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you, I had a couple of those, I just don't want to do this anymore, this is, this is difficult. Um, but this particular one, he says, this passage is controversial. Many condemn its teachings as patriarchal. Do you know what that means, patriarchal? Patriarchal is like... Um, there's some societies that are very, like where the dad is this dominant force, right? And then everybody is under, that's patriarchal. Um, therefore, essentially irrelevant, which we know from Paul's day. How were, how were women treated in Paul's day? Were they treated as lessers? So some people look at this, I'm just being upfront with you. Some people look at this and they, they feel like that's what Paul's getting across, but there's some clues in here that show that that's not what he's doing. Um, so some people look at it as irrelevant and unhelpful to the modern world, so they just skip over it. Many congregations do not hear this passage in church since it does not appear in uh, this revised common lectionary, which is not important, but that little phrase when I was reading, some congregations, or many congregations do not hear this passage in church. I thought to myself, well, I don't want to be that church. Right? We don't want to be that kind of church that goes, you know, that, that somebody would be able to say, well, you never hear that in that church. We have, as long as I've been here, we have been unafraid to, whatever's there, let's talk about it. Right? And I don't want to veer away from that. And so, honestly, that little sentence right there is what got me going, well, I don't want to be that. I mean, there was some wisdom in saving this for a Wednesday night, but then I thought, I, no. I'm going to just tackle it head on. Um, this guy ended this by saying, this passage proves to be a critical test for the case of biblical authority. 
In other words, as we look at this passage, what he's saying, this is a critical test. If we look at this passage and we just quickly, quickly go, oh, it's irrelevant and move on. It, aren't, you see how that's a test of how we treat the Bible? If we're quick to dismiss, I don't want to be quick to dismiss. So here we go. Got your pens ready with questions. I'm going to give you two more thoughts, and we're going to dig into it. You ready? Okay. Chapters 11 through 14 in 1 Corinthians are all about, he's been talking about how Christians deal, inter, interact not just with each other, but also with the world around them. In 1 Corinthians, chapters 11 to 14 is all about what we're doing right now, the worship service, when Christians come together. Okay? So that's going to be a helpful little thought. When Christians come together, how do we do things? Okay? Um, so keep that in mind when we jump in here, when we fellowship. So here we go. We're going to start with verse 1 of uh, chapter 11. It says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. This could have very easily gone with the previous section. Okay? Be imitators. That was actually kind of a concluding thought to what Paul had before. This is his last thought before he jumps into the next one. So all these things here he's just said that we've been studying. He concludes by saying, you guys, you know, it's okay. Be imitators of me. He's saying, I'm trying to act out what, how you ought to be. I'm trying to imitate Christ. You can look at me. I'm trying to help you with that process. Okay? Verse 2. Now I commend you. So, in other words, good job, guys. I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions even as I delivered them to you. So, this first thing that he's going to talk about, he commends. The next one he's going to talk about next week, he's going to say, I don't commend you. You did really bad with this. So that's, that'll be next week. This week he says, I commend you. So we're get, what we're getting ready to talk about, they're doing a pretty decent job with it. He's still going to address it. Traditions there, are you feeling the, the, the conversational aspect today? Traditions there is a, a word that means like a chunk of teaching that would normally be handed from a rabbi down to his pupils. So I commend you because this chunk of tradition, these, these, this chunk of teaching, I've handed over to you. You're, you're doing a good job with it. Okay? Anybody need to get a drink or anything? Okay, a sip of water or something. Something stronger. Um, <clears throat> verse 3. The cringe is going to happen with some of you. Uh... But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband. And the head of Christ is God. Now, even if you're like, I'm all on board, can you see how in the culture that we live in, do you think that there might be some that would read that and go, ah. can you understand that? Yeah. Uh, some interesting things. See, we're going to jump into this. Okay, so right there where it says, but I want you to understand, so when you see that word head, this is part of where the controversy comes in because the word head could mean, the word that's translated head could mean source, could mean authority, could mean prominence. We think of it like the head of our body is like the controlling part of what's going on with the rest of you. But that's, the Greeks and the Romans didn't think that. They, they didn't think they didn't know what the brain was. They actually thought 
that the the brain just trans you can laugh at this. The brain just transferred juices. They thought the thinking stuff was in here, right? And so they thought it was just transferring juices down. <laughs> so like you heard something and it transferred it to a juice and it went down here so you can make decisions. <laughs> Weird, isn't it? Uh, so that's what they thought. So, so it's different. See, there's differences because when we see head, we think that's the decision-making part. It, what, for them, the decision-making part was here, the heart, inside. Uh, the head was just housed some things. But the head for them was prominent. What's one of the most obvious things that you interact with with another human being? Their head, right? That's what you, I'm talking to you. I'm looking you in the eye. You're listening to me with your ears that are up here. So, so that's kind of the thought process. Um, whatever Paul means by the head of a wife is her husband can't be understood. And this is why some, you know, knock it off, can't be understood to denigrate, downplay, or threaten her stance as an equal because Christ also has a head. Do you see that in this passage? The head of Christ is God. God the Father, God the Son are equal in their essence. One's not more or better than the other, is it? Okay? But there is a role that one of them plays. Okay? Um, another confusing aspect of this, and you will actually see this in different translations, the Greeks did not have a different word for husband as they did for male. So you may actually see in here, notice it says the, the head of every man, and then uh, the word husband, two different words. No, they're not. They're the same word in the Greek. Can you, know, you can see why that might add some confusion to trying to understand what this verse is saying? Every man, the head of wife is her head. Word wife, same as word for woman. Okay? So some people, can you see even a way that it's been twisted? The head of a woman, is, and suddenly all men are dominant over. That, I'm just telling you, that's where it's been taken askew. That's not what it's going to mean. Um, let's go on to the next one. Let's see if the cringeworthiness ups itself. You may already have some questions. Well, wait a minute. What is it, Matt? You didn't quite explain all that. I'm doing that on purpose. Okay. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. Who was his head in that last verse? Christ. Um, every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. In the previous verse, who was the, the wife's head? The husband. Okay. Um, since it is the same as if her head were shaven. It's getting weird, isn't it? The only women in Paul's day, this is where we have to, to split apart some things here. The only women in Paul's day that did not have their... Okay, now, now what is, what, what's one of the things a woman does to say, I'm not available? Isn't it this thing here? Right? Use my all time. Back off. Right? <laughs> Take it. Okay? That's what... It, it, <laughs> what he, no, she's nodding her head. No. Uh, it, for in Greek culture, if a woman put the had the, the head covering on, that was saying, I'm not available. Right? 
I think what's happening here, part of it, before we split it all apart, part of what's happening here is, is you can see right here, every man who prays or prophesies, but notice right there, but every wife, or it could be woman, who what? Praise, or what else are these women doing in church that Paul's not condemning? Prophesying. Oh. There's, a, there's a certain liberty that, that these Christians have found in this worship service, that even the women are praying and prophesying in the service. I know some of you are going, wait a minute, write those questions down. Like, what about that? What about that? Okay, so you write those things down. But understand, we're just looking at this one for the moment. They're doing this. And I think what's happening, see, I'm verging into, I think, I'm offering some theories here after the reading and the reading and the reading, some theories. They've experienced a certain freedom in Christ. And so they're quote-unquote letting their hair down. Right? But Paul is saying, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait a minute. In that culture, that meant something. I'm glad you're enjoying the freedom you have in Christ, but that still means something in the culture that they're in. Letting their hair down. I don't even want to tell you with, with some further study what some of the Greek writings had to say about how a woman's hair and how that was an advertisement for, so they could, I'm not, I'll just stop there. We're in church, I mean. Um, so there's, there's, there's cultural things that are, that are being taught here. That are being, Paul's, Paul's saying, in essence, the culture you live in has some impact on what you're doing in this, this worship service together. Okay? Glad you're enjoying the freedom, but, Okay? To have the head shaven was a sign of shame. They were very much a culture of honor and shame. That we're not as much like that, I don't think. Maybe a little bit. But, but to, to take a, a, a girl out and shave her head and then have her walk around in public, that would have been a horrifying thing for that girl to have her head shaved because it meant something. It said, this person has been unfaithful in their marriage. Right? And we're broadcasting it. Um, so the head covering, all of this was connected to culture. But the men having their head uncovered is one of the weird parts about this because we have plenty of documented history that the Greeks and the Romans, in fact, I, I was going to put up a bunch of pictures for you, but I'm just, I didn't want to veer you off in the wrong direction, uh, where you have people offering sacrifices in pagan culture where every, the, the people that would cover their heads would be the ones that, men and women, in fact, there's a statue of one of the Caesars where as he's offering a sacrifice, he covers his head with a, like a hood type thing, like what we just simply think of like a veil. He's covering his head. I mean, the men and the women were doing it in pagan culture, covering their heads for the sacrifice. But Paul's making a clear distinction where he's saying, hey, men are not to do that. Women, you should still do that for these reasons. Where he's making a clear break. Even though he's recognizing cultural things, he's also making a clear break with it. We're not just going to make a, a mirror what they're doing in pagan culture. Christianity is its own thing. Okay? Now, I'm going to plow through the rest of this a little bit because I can see some of you. I see some of your eyes right now. I'm losing you. Some of you are going, uh, what? Okay. So let's plow through. For wife will not, for if a wife will not cover her head, 
then she should cut her hair short. But since it is disgraceful for a wife to cut off her hair or shave her head, let her cover her head. This is what Paul, I mean, this is, hopefully you're getting at least some idea of why he may be saying these things. There's some cultural stuff. There's some theological things. He goes on to say this, For a man ought not to cover his head since he is the image and glory of God. But woman is the glory of man. Some of you just went, wait, what? What's that mean? Okay. That'd be a great thing to write down on your little question card. For man was not made for woman, but woman for man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. Now, regardless of anything else, what is Paul doing here? What is he going back to? Regardless of what this means, what is he doing? Genesis. So his argument, so what, before you try to figure out what does it mean, think about what he's doing. His argument is not just from culture. He's going to Scripture to say the things that I'm saying to you are not just what I think. He's saying, here's Scripture to support what I'm saying. We get too caught up in, well, what does this mean for me? What do I have to do? Lay that down for a minute and just go... Understand that what is Paul doing here? He's saying that what I'm saying to you is not just me, it's Scripture. He goes on. That is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of... <laughs> I knew I'd get that look from somebody. Once again, I'm going to tell you right now, I am absolutely okay with reading a passage like this. And I'm telling you, I've done my digging this week. I'm okay with getting to some of this and going, I'm not quite sure. But I tell you what, I have, in my time as a pastor, I've learned to love coming to Scripture and saying there's some things I don't understand. But I've always found that in the toughest passages, there's a tidbit of truth, and I trust God. See, I'm about the faith in God to present His Word to me the way I need to know it. If I needed to know everything about that verse, I would know it, because I trust God, not because I'm smart. The thing that I, I see in this, you know what I see right here? This is important. I also thought, wait a minute. So I wonder if when we're worshiping together in the morning, when Ashley's up here singing... Right? And Charity's over here. Could it be possible that there's some angels in the room? Messengers of God. That's all they are. Messengers of God. These spiritual beings. Could they be in here participating in our worship service every Sunday? See, forget what this means exactly for a moment and think about the big grand picture of what might be happening. That means when we're coming together, is it possible? I'm going to tell you, you're going to be thinking about this next week, next Sunday, you're going to be singing, and you're going to go singing, and you're going to, you're, one of you's going to do it. You're going to look beside you. Somebody. Right? Could there be next to me right now? I, I absolutely think so. I mean, we know that the angels rejoice when one comes to faith. Could it be possible that angels are regularly with our church services coming down and just participating. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to hit that Danville worship service today. The, the, what, which one? The, no, I'm going to hit that Edgewood today. Oh, I've been there a couple times. Right? They're weird. But, <laughs> right? But, we, but man, they love Jesus. Let's go and sing with them. Okay? All right, back to this. What's that? 
<laughs> I know, I know. I'm telling you, I read these things and I go, man, and I, but here's the thing, and I want to encourage you to be okay with not having all of your questions. I am. It's, it took me a while to get to that point. But I'm okay with not having all of my questions answered because I believe that what, God, what we need to know, God will make clear to us. And this is why, at the end of the day, why this morning, when I had one last second thought, and I thought, Lord, I don't know if I want to preach through this passage. I'll save it for Wednesday. I thought, you know what? One of the things I hope that you get out of this is, if you don't get anything else, this is what I want you to get. I want you to get how to read your Bible. I want you to get how to read your Bible, because I'm telling you right now, if you think that you're going to sit down and read your Bible and you're going to understand everything you read, you will not, that will not happen. In fact, you will probably, especially when you first start reading, most of the things that you read, you're going to go, no idea what this is. But here's what's going to happen. Every once in a while, as you're reading through, God, because this book is about more than just the black and white text on the page, isn't it? This is the very word of God. And people understand it not because of the brain, but because of the spirit, the spirit of God. And so as you read and as you study, there's going to be things that jump out and you're going to go, oh, and some of you know exactly what that's like. Charity and I, we call those light bulb moments, right? Aha moments. Some people, there's a whole book, the aha moment, right? There's these moments you have where you're reading through and suddenly this light bulb comes on. Some of those things I read and I go, Come back to that one later. And move on. Okay, God, where, where, are you, where are you at? What do you want me to understand here? I'm going to leave that one for later. Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman, for as woman was made from man, so, in case you guys are getting a big head, so man is now born of woman. Every single one of you, men, came from a woman, just as woman came from man. Judge for yourselves, he then says, judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered? Now, this is where we start to get some clues. Okay? Judge for yourselves. He's now laying it before them. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not nature, not meaning, like there's something in nature that supersedes everything, but the word nature is talking about what, what's, what, what, what's the most obvious? What's in, in the culture you live in, where does it reside? Okay? Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it's a disgrace for him? But if a woman has long hair, it is her glory? Her hair is given to her for a covering. Now, I'm not going to wait. Okay? Now, you can't say that Paul was absolutely opposed to men having long hair because Paul also, at one point, took the Nazarite vow. You know what one of the parts of the Nazarite vow is? Not cutting your hair. That was a regular Jewish thing that they would do. Right? So, so you, can't, you can't, and this is why I say there's some people that they, they're so flippant about Scripture. And they're so quick to just go, uh-huh! Right? Oh, man, don't be, don't be careless with God's word. See, come back to what I was saying. I want you to learn how to read scripture. Tough passages. 
Don't be flippant. Don't be quick to judge. Now, the final verse of this says this. If anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. Now, I'm going to pause for a moment. Clear the screen out. What I'd like to do is I'd like to tell you three things from this passage. All those unanswered things, because there's going to be more unanswered questions than answered ones. All those unanswered things, uh, write them down. I'm going to try to tackle those on Wednesday night. Um, if not, uh, if you can't make it, then you can always just ask me separately, and I can tell you what I believe, what I think, where I think it goes. But I want to tell you three things that I pulled from this passage as I read through this and read through it and read through it and read through it and read through it. Okay? Um, number one, head coverings. Where are we headed? <laughs> um, short version, because I know, I know where you guys are at. Short version, I don't believe that this passage is teaching that um, you guys need to start wearing the doilies. Um, I call them doilies because that's what my wife jokingly calls them. Do you, you guys know that there are some churches where you, they, a woman has to do that, right? Uh, and so, and they, it's based on this. They believe that. Um, after my study, I was not convinced that that's what this is saying. I think that it took me a while. I mean, i, I got to be honest, I went back and forth as I was reading. I mean, I've always leaned one way, obviously. My wife has never had a head covering. Um, I've always leaned one way, but as I was reading that, there's a couple times like, maybe, huh, man. I mean, I was really digging through this. But as I was peeling apart the cultural part and the theological, because Paul, Paul bases everything he says on theology. Did you catch that? So as I was peeling these things apart, I'm just going to tell you right now, short version, did, did I walk away from this thinking what Paul is teaching is women should have a head covering? No. Some of you are going, that's what it said. That's why we have Wednesday night. Okay. Um, there, it took me days to come to that. I don't think I can do that in one short sermon. Um, I'd love to talk about it, though. It was, it was actually quite fascinating. The more I dug into it, the, the reasoning why and the different thoughts on it, super, super interesting. Um, number two, um, we ought to be thoughtful and purposeful about how we worship together. When I read through this, I definitely, this I think is the main point that Paul is hitting home. We ought to be thoughtful and purposeful about how we worship together, down to how we dress. Okay? We ought to be thoughtful and purposeful about how we come together to worship. What do you think are some things in our culture that we ought to be mindful of? Immodesty. Immodesty right? The word modest means covered. Ought to be covered up. What else? Surely that's not the only one. Yeah. I never wanted to overdress for church because I didn't want people to think that that's how they have to dress to come to church. Yeah. You have to be fancy. Mm-hmm. I've, had, I've seen that happen both ways. Um, I've seen some churches where somebody walks in, and I actually know 
someone, I think I've mentioned this in church before, um, I was working up in Wisconsin at a Target distribution center, and uh, me and this other guy, both Christian guys, and we work in these teams, and one of the girls that worked on our team, we kept encouraging her, you should go to church, you should go to church. She lived in a different town, and so we were, she was looking at some. She's like, there's this church down the street from me, I, I think I might go, and we'd been witnessing to her and stuff. She went to this church, didn't know anything about church. She walked into this church, like it took her, oh man, weeks and weeks to finally get the guts up to go. She walked in the doors, and as soon as she walked in, one of the ladies of the church came over and said, ma'am, is there any way that you could go home and put on a skirt instead of those jeans? Right? That's not. <laughs> and so that's what Charity's talking about right now. It's like there, there's... I want people to come in no matter how you're dressed to feel comfortable walking into this building, right? And so the, both ways, right? Overdressed or underdressed, you can make people feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would, I would agree and I would disagree because I would definitely say this is not the house of God. Um, this is just a building. Um, but I understand where you're coming from. Um, uh, I've seen it done that other direction, though, and that's the part that I get concerned about, where it's done the other direction, not just overdressed, but I've had people, like the example that I gave, I've had it happen the other direction. Um, somebody, you know... Everybody was so dead that the person that came in with the suit was like, we were looking, see, but I'm okay. You can wear the suit, <laughs> right? It's, I think that's how it ought to be. And the, from Scripture here, the thing that's really important is that the emphasis, what Paul is making the emphasis here is not the specifics of what you go, but that the emphasis is about God, not about the person. You don't want to be distracting to anybody. And that's where I think even dressing up can be an issue because, uh, let's be honest, some people dress up because they want people to look at them and go, Men look good today. They want the compliment, right? Is that okay? No. And so there's all different variety. And the, the whole goal, and I think what more, more than being mindful of being respectful towards God, I think the main thing is that Paul is talking about is about each other, this community. That you're aware of the people around you. That you don't come into a situation uh, with these particular people. They, don't, they didn't want to come into a situation to say, well, I have this, I can do whatever I want. And Paul said, you've got to be mindful of what this says to your culture. That's what I think Paul is teaching here. We ought to be thoughtful and purposeful about how we worship together. Right? Now, Lucinda has that view. Me, I have a completely different view. Right? I know my mother-in-law has the same one. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, I think that's at the heart of what he's talking about here as well, isn't it? If that's what that meant for them, in our culture, that isn't, it doesn't mean the same thing. 
Let me ask you this. Are there cultures on our planet today where a woman having a head covering is important still? Yeah. Uh, would it be okay for us to go over to that culture and go, well, I'm just going to... No. That's what's at the heart here, I believe. Now, you might walk away from this going, I'm reading that a little bit different. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Because what I want us to do is I want us to be the kind of church that's able to come together and say, let's dig into these tough passages, right? Unless it's dealing with who Jesus is, I'm okay with us having some differences of opinion. There's not a thing in this passage that I'm not willing to flex on one way or the other. The things that I won't flex on is who is Jesus? He's the Savior. Right? And we ought to be willing to come up to some of these things. But I think the big thing that we could all agree on, regardless of how you land on some of the issues, we ought to be thoughtful and purposeful about how we worship together. Not flippant. Definitely not trying to get attention for ourselves. Right? When we come together, we ought to, even in how we dress and how we look and how we act, ought to be to try to put the focus on God. And the other people that come into this building, we ought to be pushing them forward to that thought process. Okay? All right. Number three. This is the, I think this is the tough one. You thought that one was the tough one. That's not the tough one. This next one's the tough one. Um, gender is God created and God determined, and we ought to be respectful and mindful of those differences. When I read through this again and again and again, I, came, I walked away from this, their gender is God created. Now, this is relevant for our world. I know that probably all of you in this room on board with that idea. But this is relevant for the world that we live in. Gender, right? Male and female. God created them. Male and female. In God's image, he created them. I'm quoting Genesis, right? In God's image, he created them, male and female. Both are in the image of God. I want to point out some little thoughts about this. I mentioned one already. Women were praying and prophesying in the worship service. I think that's a little interesting thought that popped out at me. The men are addressed a parallel number of times as the women. Like when you read through this passage, um, the women have one more thing that's addressed to them than the men, but basically that's men do this, women do that, men do that. I mean, both are being addressed. This is not a passage that's addressed primarily towards women. There's plenty of things that he addresses towards the men as well. Um, <clears throat> the differences were commanded and supported by Paul through... Think about what he used. Biblical history, right, as that authority. He used theology. And he also talked about God created natural order, just the way things are, connecting that to culture, what seems obvious, clear, and evident. Now, I'm going to close this time knowing that you probably have more questions than answers right now, and I'm okay with that. I want to encourage you to write down some of those questions. If you're like, no, wait a minute, what about this? What about this? Write those things down. I'm going to try to tackle them on Wednesday night. If you can't make it Wednesday night, let me know next Sunday. Say, I couldn't make it, but I still have this question. 
And I'd be, I'd be willing to do whatever. I'd sit down and talk with you about it, address it. Um, I would actually be more than willing to even hear what you might, if you read this passage, you go, I felt like it said this. I'd be more than happy to hear what you have to say too. Um, I'll tell you, those commentaries I read didn't all have the same exact explanations for how to deal with this. And they're way smarter than me. <laughs> and if they're having slight differences, but that's what I loved about when I walked away from, after I read and read and read, and then I read and read and read, and then I, a couple of them I read a third time, I walked away from it going, you know what? Every single one of these commentaries, as we ought to be, just loves going to the Word and, and trusting that God will give us what we need. For me, like I said earlier, I don't care what you get out of this. If you only, the only thing you get out of this is Matt is willing to not be a know-it-all <laughs> in front of everybody. Matt's willing to do that. I hope that if you see that I'm willing to do that, that you can be okay with having some things that you're like, when I get to those places like that, I go, I'm going to go back to the stuff I really know well. There's another person who did that at one point. It's the Apostle Peter. Peter, when he was talking about in his letter, talking about Paul's writings, he says, some of the things that Paul writes about are hard to understand. Would you agree with Peter? Right? He says some of the things, Peter, this is in the Bible, he says some of the things that Paul writes about are hard to understand. But then after he talks about it, he comes back to, but what do I know? Jesus Christ, him crucified, died on the cross for our sins. I don't have to get this perfect to stand in God's good grace. God's good grace is up to him. And so we all come together as a church, willingly, humbly, let's look at this word, glean from it what we can, trusting in God in that process. When we get unsure, we come back to Christ and say, Lord, we trust in you. Our hope is in you. And with that thought in mind, we're actually going to do this next. And this is where we're going to go next week, actually, because we are now completely caught up. This passage that we read every single week for communion, we're there now. It's kind of weird, isn't it? We've made it through. We're going to preach on this thing that I've been reading about all the time. So I'm going to have the guys come up. Um, you guys can come up. Um, I'm going to pray that God would bless this bread and this cup. I'm going to have them distribute. I want you to hold on to those things. And when we're done, I'm going to lead you through the rest. Okay? Heavenly Father, I pray that you would just bless this bread and this cup. Lord, I know that your word... Lord, it's, it's glorious, but Lord, for me, sometimes it's challenging to, to know exactly where to go with it. So Lord, I come back to you, and I come back to what we're going to remember right now. There's some things I know. Lord, I know that you were real, that you were God in the flesh, that you came to this earth, you lived a righteous life. Lord, I know that you died on the cross for our sins to take that penalty. I know, Lord, that you rose again from the grave. Lord, I know that by faith alone, we can be saved from our sin and that your righteousness can be given to us once again by your grace. I pray now that you'd help me to remember, and Lord, help everyone else in this room to remember what you've done for us. I pray this now in Jesus' name.
Amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, Paul the Apostle writes, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. <clears throat> and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. <clears throat> in the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Heavenly Father, Lord, I do thank you again for this day, and I thank you for allowing us to be here together. Lord, I just ask now that you would help us. Lord, I think especially as we gear up for Wednesday night, Lord, I pray that you'd uh, just be with the questions that we might have. Lord, give me wisdom as I dig into some of those questions to, Lord, to determine the most biblical answer, Lord, the most accurate answer according to the way you would have me answer those things. Lord, I pray that you'd be with each person in this room, that they would be willing to go to your word and to trust by the power of your spirit that they would understand the parts that they need to understand from you. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be patient, to wait, on those further answers, Lord, as we dig further and further into your word, God, I ask that you would help us to be patiently waiting for understanding to come in your timing. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.